Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Puck and Write Chicago podcast. Um, this week's episode name is probably my favorite one we've had in a long time, just because of the meaning behind it, and also and just the circumstances, the circumstances in which we're in, which we'll get to um, later when we do talk about the playoffs, as we do, as we have been doing for the past couple mm-hmm. of episodes, as it's been ramping up. So, Megan, how are you this fine Sunday afternoon? pretty good it's rainy here in lovely north carolina um but it's it's been good i've just literally chilled all weekend we were in errands yesterday but that's literally all we did we've been playing nhl all weekend we love that again sometimes you just need to have like a weekend like that those week yeah where you just like put everything else aside and you're like okay i'm gonna i was really mad because we were gonna go to the zoo but, Aww. you know, it's been raining and it was 86 yesterday. I'm like, I'm not going to the zoo oh when God. it's raining in 86. So it's just like gross and muggy and humid. And I was like, no, I'll just stay at home and do something else. So, yeah, we'll have to go to the zoo a different different weekend. Yeah. I haven't been since I was in, like, middle school probably. It's been raining. It rained here all week. And... The girl, the little girl that I nanny, she's two. So usually when it's nice out, we'll go and try out like different parks in our area, see which one we like. We've been doing different libraries all in our, around our area to try and see which one has the best toys and which one can distract her for the longest. Um, (laughs) But uh, we've done a couple, like the gymnastics gym by us does open gym for little kids. So we've done that, but like, it's just been so gross and today is finally I was telling Megan before we went on today's like the nicest day we've had here in a while it's like seven I think like 75 no wind just a couple clouds in the sky like it's beautiful outside today so I I have every single window that could possibly be opened in my house open right now (laughs) so if you hear birds chirping in the background it's because I'm sitting my desk is like in my little corner of my room where I have my two windows so I'm getting a lot of natural life I'm feeling really good um we got a lot to talk about today with which I'm pretty excited about. Um, so yeah, I'm just feeling good. I don't know. It's a sun- Sundays are my favorite I'm day of the week. I'm glad you're feeling good. I hate Sundays. They're like my favorite day of the week. Like Sundays and Mondays, I like Sundays. I love them. I don't know. And like Sunday, I feel like it's just that day because because Saturday, my Saturday is my weekend day where I do everything. I work Saturday mornings. I, I usually babysit I like on Saturdays. Saturdays. Like. I go to therapy in the afternoon on Saturday. So I have things all day. And then Sunday's my day where I'm like, I get to go to church and have my me time and get my coffee and yeah. clean my room and do my laundry and get ready for the week. Like, see, I think I'm a very I'm the methodical opposite. person. I like to- I'm the opposite because I like Saturday because Saturday is my busy day usually. Like, that's when I run all my errands. That's when we clean. And as of the past couple weeks, it's when I've been packing stuff up because I'm moving soonish. So, like, Saturdays are kind of my favorite because they're busy and they kind of go by fast. And then Sunday, like I woke up at like 745 this morning and couldn't fall back asleep. So I've been up forever today. It feels like it's seven o'clock right now and it is currently 340. Like it's the worst Sundays. I do this every Sunday for some reason. I just my body gets back into the routine like Saturday. Yesterday I slept in until like nine. Yeah. And then this morning. Oh, you daredevil. I know. Crazy nine lady. Is like the latest I can literally nine is like the latest I can do at this point just because I've gotten on such a like work routine mm-hmm. um, where I do wake up between like six and seven forty five depending on the day. So it's just ugh. Sundays I'm like I guess my body's like, All right, time to get up, let's go and I'm like, No, 
no, I don't want to do that. My last day just leave in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But all that aside, we got lots yes. to talk about. We do. Um, let's start off. Um, let's start off just a little bit, a little bit of news before I go into uh, Red Kelly. But Jack Hughes has been named to the 2019 uh, Team USA men's world hockey roster, uh, which begin on May 10th. I. I think right is it right now is there like is it preliminary is it something that's going on is there like pre-games going on because I saw on Twitter that like Andre Kopitar was out there dangling the hell out of everyone else on whoever they were playing um but I but they were, I was from Spit and Chicklets um I'll go was, back and see what it was cuz I'm not sure actually I got it right here I, says, I sent that to you and I was like it's versus it's Lithuania like- it's versus Lithuania and I don't know if it's it's got to be like preliminary, like preliminary stuff, don't you think? It's okay. So it says 2019 IIHF Ice Hockey World Championship Division One Group A. That was oh, that's about Kazakhstan. Okay, I, I like I'm just gen because now I'm on the IIHF page, but I'm just very, I'm just very confused because I know the first games start on May 10th, but whatever. All that aside, um, Jack whatever. Hughes will be playing. <laughs> Jack Hughes most likely could be playing at some point with Patrick Kane. And that's just not fair. It's not, it's not fair. And I like in, in my dreams in some perfect world where every scenario happens the way I want it to both New Jersey and New York will make the stupid decision to not dig Jack Hughes and he'll somehow be available at number three and the Blackhawks will just sneak in and get and catch him and grab him. Wouldn't that be the best? Like in, in my perfect world, that would be the scenario, but like it's not a perfect world. So, and Jack Hughes is a center. So like imagine, imagine a line of Alex Dabrinkit, Jack Hughes, and Patrick Kane. That's what I was just going to say to bring it. That Kane. could probably be like a line that. at Worlds. That's probably going to be a line at Worlds. That's that's quite the line. Like, that that's is... not fair. It's not fair. No, so, it's not. We got Jip. No, I'm just kidding. We got Jip. No. So it's, that'll, we moved that'll from be really... 12 to 3. I don't think we got Jip. That's, yeah, no. I'm, I can't complain. Knock on wood. Sorry, <laughs> hockey gods. I will not upset yeah. you anymore. No. Um, let's talk about two losses that actually the hockey world has experienced this week. Um, first of all, Jason Botchford uh, from Vancouver wrote for the Athletic uh, Vancouver, basically the guy that invented the Athletes, um, which was kind of a more humorous and light side of recapping games and recapping news that had been happening around the Canucks. Um, passed away suddenly at the age of 48 uh, from heart failure, which was over the past weekend, um, not this weekend, but last weekend. It came out on Monday, I believe, um, or Wednesday from uh, a statement from the week. A statement from the Athletics. So um, you never, you never like to see that, and it's it's terrible. And I, here's the thing. This is how I'll put it. I. I'm not a Vancouver Canucks fan, and I don't like anything about the Vancouver Canucks, but the way that Jason Botchford wrote and the way that he was kind of the pulse and the heartbeat of the team from a reporting standpoint made it tolerable for me to read about them. And that's kind of when you know, like, oh, okay. Like, he yeah. was he was someone that I could – and I I saw so many people and so many things pouring in from Twitter and from wherever talking about how great he was and how great of a person he was and – um, I was listening to 
the uh, 31 Thoughts podcast yesterday, and Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick brought it up, and Elliot Friedman was talking about how he was, you could disagree with him professionally about different things and about opinions and all that kind of stuff. You could disagree with him on a professional level, but he was always, always, always the right kind of person outside of work. He was always just, he he treats you with respect. He expects to get treated that way back. Uh, But he was someone that people could confide in, people that could go to for anything outside of, outside of um, hockey related news. And Jeff Merrick actually made a, made a point and I, it kind of stuck with me and I wanted to reiterate it here as well for anyone who doesn't listen, but he said that there was one point in his career and in Botchford's career when they had like a little quarrel and they just never got along after that. And, um, they weren't really friends and, and they kind of just didn't like each other, whatever. And Jeff Merrick kind of made the point of like, you know, I always thought to myself, Oh, well, one day it'll work itself out. One day I'll talk to him and, and we'll figure it out. Or, or, you know, one of us will apologize, blah, blah, blah. And he like paused and he was like, well, now I can't. And he's gone. And I can't, I can't go back and and change that. And so kind of his point was, even if you just, and and, um, Elliot agreed, even if you disagree with someone, and even if you have your your fights, and even if you have um, differing opinions, make your peace with someone, because you never know when they could be gone. And so that kind of stuck stuck with me yesterday and they, they did a really nice tribute for him as well. And so did the athletic and, um, a bunch of other people in places. But, um, I also wanted to mention his, I, I retweeted it on my Twitter and I'll, I'll find it again and I'll retweet it on the, the podcast Twitter. Um, but there is a GoFundMe going around for, um, his family. They're trying to raise a hundred thousand dollars and, um, for his, uh, for all of the costs related to the funeral and everything like that and arrangements and services. So, um, as I, I checked it yesterday, uh, and they were up to, or I checked it on Friday and they were just under 70,000. So, um, they're getting pretty close to their goal to help yep. him out. He has yep. three young kids. Um, so if you are financially able to, or even if you aren't, and you just want to spread the word and retweet it. Um, there's there's a link to do that as well. And I retweeted yeah. it on my Twitter a couple of days ago. So we'll find that and retweet it for you guys. But um, I know Megan read him more than I did. But um, it's a it's it's a huge loss for the hockey. Community. It was I when I saw that, and I I texted you or I sent the tweet to you like as soon as I saw it mm-hmm. because I needed somebody else to understand. Um, I was at work when that news broke. I was just about to go on my lunch break and I my first reaction was I thought it was fake Mm -hmm. um because I can't for some reason when and this is you know getting probably a little TMI but when things like this happen my first reaction is always it's fake it's not real like somebody's pulling my leg um and I think that's like a semi-normal reaction to have I know I'm not the only one that you know, has that kind of reaction to shocking news like this, but it was just like, I wanted to cry at work. And actually when I did get home, I I, like did a little bit because I didn't like the connects before this year. It's not like, well, I guess I didn't like them, but like, I just didn't care. Like they're just a team that like, whatever, like they existed, it was fine. But the beginning of the season, I was like, Oh, I like Brock Besser. And then I watched like one game with Elias Pedersen. I'm like, wow, this kid, and I somehow felt 
upon the athletes. I think they were like, I think it was posted like on the front page of the athletic or something. And I saw it and I just read it on a whim. And oh my God, I was dying laughing at my desk. I could not stop laughing at how funny it was and how just different it was from how a lot of writers write. Um, just totally unique style, but still professional. Um, and as somebody who writes a blog about a hockey team, um, and I write a blog that's not necessarily, it's professional, but I, you know, I like to keep it lighthearted and kind of fun or whatever. Like he was a huge inspiration writing style wise for me. And, um, it just really sucks. And it's some of his teammates on the athletic, um, for Vancouver athletic, um, do write some of the athletes. Like there were a couple of times during the year where, um, a couple of the other guys would write one, but I could always tell the difference. I didn't even have to look at the name. I knew it wasn't Botchford's. I just knew it. And now it's just going to be weird because they're either not going to do it, which I don't know if, I, I just don't know what they're going to do, if they're going to continue it or not. And it's going to suck because literally he is the reason I'm into the end of the Canucks. I would wake up every single morning after a Canucks game. I would look forward to Canucks games, not because I wanted to watch the game, because I rarely was able to stay up late enough to watch them. But because then the next morning I would have something to read, something funny that would give me a little chuckle in the morning and would kind of start my day off well. So it's definitely, I'm definitely going to feel it once the next season starts. Um, it's going to be very different to not maybe have those, or at least not have the same version of it that I like so much. So definitely, definitely an, um, an upsetting and huge loss for the hockey community. I'm trying to find uh, right now on my Twitter, I'm trying, there was one, Okay, here we go. So I, there was one tweet, this one, and you brought this up because when you started talking about how, like, like he was, like, you looked forward to reading about it simply because of him. Um, this is from Ed Willies. His at is at, at Willies on sports. But he said, one other thing about Botch, just read all the posts on Twitter and you realize what he meant to Canucks fans. He was their voice, their advocate. And then this next line is, like, I'm literally going to steal this anecdote. It's just, it's so good. He goes, he was their mood ring, reflecting their frustrations and victories, but mostly their passion. I've never seen a relationship like that. And then I thought that was just really telling. Like, not only did he write, like, there's some people that just write about the team and report on things, but um, you could, de- he, he, like, he, he definitely had the pulse of the fans, um, yep. more so like the diehard fans and like some of the fans that were new and, and came in because they have all this young talent now, but he was definitely the pulse and like, he just knew exactly what they were thinking and then how to best put it into writing. And, um, we both follow Sarah Sivian and both really like her work and everything. And she, I remember reading her tweet and she was like, literally, he is the reason why I wanted to be a, like, this is why I do what I do is because I met this guy and, um, he gave me so much help and advice and I love the way he writes. And so people just all, all over the hockey world are gutted about it. So, um, we're thinking about him and his family, um, and everyone involved. Um, and that was close to him and knew him. Um, and we also had another loss in the hockey world over the past week. Um, Leonard Red Kelly passed away at the age of 91. Um, he is most known for playing his most of his career in Detroit. Um, he split it. He split four years and four years, or four years and I think it was 
three years and then six years in, um, in Toronto. Um, but he played from 1947 to 1967. He had 1,316 games, 281 goals, 542 assists for 823 points. Um, he was most known for wearing number four, which is both retired in Detroit and Toronto. Um, he's an eight-time Stanley Cup champion, which is the most ever Stanley Cups won by someone who had not played on the Montreal Canadiens. Um, he won in 50, 52, 54, and 55 with Detroit, and then 62, 67, 64, and he was a member of the um, last Stanley Cup Toronto's ever won in 1967. Um, he was a four-time Lady Bing Award winner, one-time Norris Trophy winner, 12-time All-Star. Um, he spent 10 years after his playing career as an NHL coach uh, in Los Angeles, Pittsburgh, and Toronto. Um, in all, he coached 742 games with a 278, 330, and 134 um, win-loss tie record with a total of 690 points. Um, and he was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame as a player in 1969. Uh, in other words, he had a pretty legendary career. Yeah. Um, I... um, and it's just like, I feel like players from that era were slowly losing them. Um which kind of sucks. And, you know, the way the game was then and the way the game is now is so completely different. Um, and I, I know I say it, um, this is like my opinion on it. I don't know how you feel about it. I'm sure you feel kind of the same sentiment, but, um, in order to appreciate, like in order for me to be able to appreciate the game today and the players that we get to watch today, I know it's completely, completely different, but, like anything in history, it's the people that came before you that matter. And we wouldn't have an NHL if these players were here. Like when Ted Lindsay passed away, we wouldn't have an NHL PA if it wasn't for Ted Lindsay. We wouldn't have a yep. like, like we wouldn't have a players' union. Players wouldn't have rights. Um, there would be no CBA. There would be no negotiations in that regard um, to players' safety and all of that stuff. And um, we wouldn't be the league we are today with the with the amount of talent and the amount of expansion that it's had, um, without players that, you know, played during that era, um, the eras that came before us. And it just sucks to see them just, it, it, like, it, it just sucks to see them go. And I don't know, like, I'm a big person about hockey history, especially like you get me sitting down watching anything prior to like 1980 and I'm all yours. Like I love, I love watching every era of hockey, but especially just the older eras. Um, I just find it so interesting, the players that played and, and the no helmets and, and how goalies looked. I was going to say, it and... was so, like, it was so different mm -hmm. the way they played. And it was so almost, I mean, I don't... hockey was just such a different sport than, like, your typical American sport. Like, it's, it's on ice. Like, most sports are not on ice. I feel like these guys are... It, you're right. It sucks to lose, like, legends like this. I mean, like, obviously, like, you know, Wayne Gretzky's a hockey legend, but he's different than right. these guys who were playing in the 40s and 50s. Like, it's just... It was just such a different... Such a different world back then, even. Like, mm -hmm. you look at everything that was happening... And you got like, guys going off to time. war and then coming exactly. back. Exactly. Like, you I know? mean, and then having to come back. I just, that whole era was just totally different. Mm 
Very unique. And I, I tend to separate it from, like, I don't know. I feel like you're right. Like, it's kind of, like, almost two different types of eras in hockey between, like, before 1980 and kind of after 1980 where it's just, like, after 1980, hockey really started to, like, gain some momentum and gain some more interest, like, nationally and everything, and more teams were, you know, introduced into the league and everything. Mm -hmm. But, like, before that, it was just so, like, watching old clips that are in, like, black and white are my favorites with like no sound or like really scratchy sound mm-hmm. I am I was a history major for those of you who don't know so I'm kind of a history person anyways but I mean sports history is just so much cooler because there are like there's like a good amount of photos and videos from that time where there weren't really a whole lot of videos and and photos being taken in general so it's very cool and it it's so upsetting to lose like i said legends like this who are just i mean they're going to be in hockey history forever mm-hmm. like they forever. shape the game yeah yeah that's they the most important everything part. yeah well and kind of going off of that um whole shaping the game thing um it was announced earlier this week it was on thursday um more than 200 women's players including names like hillary knight and kendall coin schofield and marie fleet plan will be sitting out the 2019-20 season in its entirety from all North American pro leagues um, due to unfair pay, other inequalities that they're experiencing. Um, They are literally making not even $2,000 a year playing professional hockey. And as of May 1st, which was Wednesday, um, the CWHL League folded. The Canadian Women's Hockey League officially folded. Uh, it was really sad. All of the all of the teams were tweeting out like their last last tweets, and I'm like, no, don't leave. And I followed the Toronto Furies this past season, and um, you got the Le Canadiens, which was where Hillary Knight played, um, and you got the Calgary Inferno, who won the Clarkson Cup this year. And it, it's just so sad to see that fold. And the impression was the NWHL, the National Women's Hockey League, was going to be expanding into Toronto and Montreal and keeping those franchises intact. Um, but it quickly became apparent that that's not what's going to be happening um, and that the the NWHL, their infrastructure isn't isn't much better than what the CWHL's was, and that was kind of the main reason why it fell. Um, and so these women are taking a stand, as they did a couple years ago before the uh, the Olympics, to say, "Hey, we're not we're not playing until you give us a fair a fair wage, until you give us true benefits, until you support us from top to bottom, um, and really give us." the things we deserve for playing a professional sport, um, which I commend them for. And I was listening to, I think it, it was 31 thoughts from a couple of week, a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago. And they had Cass, uh, Cassie Campbell Pascal, who, um, is one of the greatest Canadian women hockey players of all time. She was captain of the national team for a while. Um, she is just incredible, and now she works at Sportnet, a Sportsnet as an analyst and a broadcaster for the women's game, for the men's game as well. And she is a big advocate with the NWHL and women's hockey. And she was talking about how um, she mentioned, and she's like, okay, it's great that these players are continually, uh, continuously, you know, putting themselves out there and saying, hey, this is what we need, this is what we deserve, and this is what we want, and we we think we deserve it, which is more than fair to say. But she said. It's great that they're doing all of this, but until they take 
a drastic action until they take a stand that really sends a message and really bangs the drum that, hey, women's hockey is here to stay. Women's hockey is a profitable, it can be a profitable um, sport in North America. And they, they're finally taking that stand. They're finally saying, listen, like they're still going to be able to practice with their national teams and they're still going to be able to play hockey. They just can't play in a professional league with a team like somewhere in the NWHL. Um, and that's huge. It's huge. And it's, and the way, and they talked about on the Steve Dangle podcast too with Haley um, Salvin, I think is how you say her last name, but she writes for The Athletic and she is on top. I think it's Athletic Toronto or just The Athletic in general, but she is on top of this story and everything that comes out. She's the first to know, the first to put it out there. She's so invested and her writing is so incredible. If you haven't, if you have a subscription to The Athletic, you should check her out. But um, she was saying, she was talking, she was talking to them about it and Jesse on the podcast kind of brought up a point. It was like, well, like it's only 200 players. Like that's only half the league that's kind of standing up and saying it. But then also on the other side of it, it's like, no, the, the women that are going to be playing in the NWHL this season, it's going to be like, as if like big names in the NHL, like Andre Kopitar, Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, um, Austin Matthews, like big Connor McDavid. It's almost as if like the AHL was suddenly playing in the NHL. That's how many. Right. That's the impact of how many players are are stepping aside and 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 fighting for what's right. Um, so that's that's a big story that's going to be unfolding here um, as the summer goes on. And I mean, honestly, like these women, these women, especially for me, like literally the reason why I wanted to learn how to play hockey was. I mean, I love hockey, but the the thing that did it for me, I was on the fence about it, and I watched them win gold at Pyeongchang, and I turned to my dad, and I said, I want to do that. And I looked at Kendall Coyne, and I looked at Hillary Knight, and I was like, Emily Falls, or I looked at these women, and, and, and even Maddie Rooney, who is just incredible. I looked at them, and I was like, if they can do it, I want to do it too. I want to, like, I'm not going to obviously be in a professional league, like, I'm just going to be right. doing it for fun, but I watched them do it, and the whole movement is, if you can't see it, you can't be it. If I... If I didn't have access to see these women play hockey, I probably would have never been pushed over the edge to go and do it. Like, I was just kind of on the fence about it for a long time. Um, so this is huge, and it's going to be huge for future generations, and um, I commend them for doing it because it's not easy, and many of these women have to work day jobs in order to support their families and to support their lives, um, all while still playing a professional sport and having to be in the best shape and, you know, get the best training and eat the best things and, and be at a professional level all the time. And so in conclusion, women are badass. Um, but yeah, this is a huge, 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 huge story that's happening right now. So I thought that was worthy of a mention. Um, definitely worthy of a mention. I, I saw that and I was like, you know what? Yes, it is about freaking time that somebody pays attention because, they are doing some amazing stuff and I just, it's not, I don't want to say it's not fair, but it's not fair. It's not, it's not the I way mean, they're getting treated is not fair. And that's the entire reason why they're standing up. It's not fair. It's not. And I, I just don't understand it. And I'm not going to get like too, too into this, but I, I just don't understand why the NHL, I mean, I, I guess I understand some pieces of it, but I think it's stupid why the NHL just doesn't want to help. And I know like part of it is like the NHL PA would have to help too, but I don't like you're telling me that players are just gonna be like, no. Well, the no. thing is, the thing is, is that it's, it's under like Haley was saying this on the podcast. It's under the impression that 
Gary Bettman and his team have a plan stowed away. They have, they have a plan for a women's league. And the reason why the NHL hasn't stepped in to help with the CWHL, to help in with the NWHL, is that when these women's, and, and it will be an eventual fold, the NWHL will fold and they will become part of either the NHL or whatever plan Gary Bettman and his team has in mind. But when these teams fold, he wants to step in because he wants full control. Right now, he cannot control the NWHL. It has a right. board. It has a CEO. It has a president. It's not controllable for him. And what he wants is to be able to control it. And so the thing, he doesn't want to get too involved in it. Like He's helping because if he didn't help, then it would look really bad. But he doesn't mm. want to get too involved in it because he's just saving it for when these leagues eventually fold. He can step in with his plan, have full control over it, kind of make it up like a, a side branch of the NHL. And eventually one day, hopefully women are going to be playing in the NHL, in the NHL. and it's going to be co-ed and that's going to be that. But it's, it's, it's frustrating because it, it's really frustrating because you'd expect them right now to be able to say things and not be so tight lipped about it. And they are. And, I, I understand why on a business aspect of it, but also it looks really bad when for them to not do anything for when for them not to do anything, but say they support all aspects of the women's game, yeah. but don't support it when they're going through yep. probably the biggest moment in their history. Like that's just, and I get it. I understand it. Their way, like they, they can't say too much about it because you know, whatever you can't give your full fledged support, but it's just frustrating to see. Um, and, players are probably keeping quiet about it because they're told to be keeping quiet about it. And like, there are players like you can say the, the basic and generic, Hey, yeah, I support women's hockey. This is great. Like good for them. We support them, blah, blah, blah. But you can't be like, I don't know, fully fledged invested in it at this point. Yeah. And that's, and it's frustrating, but you know, in order to get to that, that point where the, where the NHL and the NWHL can just merge and it'll be all one, or there will be a, a sister league, um, in doing in part by the NHL, you got to go through this tough patch and it sucks. Yep. And I, I know the women are the women and the women's game is going to be better for it when it's over. Um, and they are going to be getting the full, the full benefits and the full pay that they deserve at some point. I truly believe that um, despite other things that have been happening, but I don't know. I thought that was, I thought that was pretty important. So all of that kind of stuff we started with was pretty dark. Um, let's go to some happier things. Um, <laughs> Because that was just sad, and I just don't want to be sad anymore. Um, okay, a couple other things around the NHL. Um, this also happened on Thursday. Kelly McCrimmon was officially promoted to uh, general manager from assistant general manager of the Vegas Golden Knights, and George McPhee will remain in his role as president of hockey operations. So basically, this takes him out of the GM runnings in Edmonton and Seattle, who were both kind of gunning after him Um for this offseason once the Vegas Golden Knights were knocked out of the playoffs. Um, but also kind of connected to that as well, there has been no official um, announcement yet, as of yet. Um, but it is under, as of today, it's under the uh, impression of guys like Elliot Friedman and Chris Johnston and um, people all over the hockey world that after talking to uh, basically the front office team and the, the ownership group of the Detroit Red Wings, uh, Ken Holland should be going over to Edmonton um, to be their new GM. He was reportedly offered a five-year, $5 million um, contract f with them to be their next GM, so that's a total of $25 million, um, which is it's not bad, not bad. Um, so I kind of I, I see it as 
I don't know. George McPhee wanted to keep the band together and George McPhee wanted everything to kind of be intact because he was serving as the AGM to him, but it was more so in a role of co-GM. Kelly McCrimmon really sat in on every decision that was made in the front office, everything from the AHL team to the scouting department, to analytics department, to the players on the ice, to the players they're drafting and developing, to international players, to everything. So he was kind of riding shotgun with George McPhee and that was kind of George McPhee's um, idea all along is that he wanted to keep Kelly in the organization. He wanted to promote him. Um, and I think it's a pretty, it's a pretty good move by George McPhee. Um, really selfless of him to, you know, step aside from that big, big, I'm in the driver's seat role. Um, but Kelly McCrimmon has a pretty, he doesn't have an NHL. Um, he doesn't have an NHL resume as a GM, but, um, as he's most well known for, he is owner of the Brandon Wheat Kings in the WHL and Brandon Manitoba. Um, and he is, he was their GM coach, bus driver, everything you possibly could imagine with them when they first started. And, um, they are one of the most storied franchises in the WHL, um, one of the best, a, a lot of players came from there. Nolan Patrick was a Brandon Wheat King uh, for a while. So um, good for him, and he yep. he deserves it. Um, I was going to say well-deserved, very well-deserved. Yeah, he's been he's been waiting his dues, doing his time, so that's pretty fun. But uh, we'll see what happens in Edmonton and in Seattle now because Seattle, I mean, Seattle's still got a while to go, but um, Edmonton is probably on the forefront of everyone's mind right now just because – the draft is quickly approaching, um, and yeah, like you, two months away. You need it. You kind of need a GM to do that. So uh, good for them. We'll see if anything breaks because I have I have all of those guys on uh, tweet notification. I have Friedman, Johnston, John Shannon, uh, Speck, everyone like that. So, uh, but but Elliot did say at eleven thirty this morning. He said Ken Holland is expected to meet with Detroit ownership today, barring any unforeseen circumstances. An announcement of the move to Edmonton will follow at some point. So. Uh, if it happens today, we'll let you know while we're recording. If not, we'll throw it out on the socials. Um, a couple other things. Austin Matthews had minor surgery on Thursday just to take out surgical hardware from a 2014 operation. He's not expected Sounds to miss awful. any, any off-season on-ice training. I know. Like, I, I was thinking about that, and I was like, I mean, I have, um, I have like, metal wires in my arm, and I have, like, a little metal ball in my arm from my surgery, um, but... I don't think they ever said that they had to take it out, but like, I'm just trying to imagine like just them cutting my arm open again. And I'm like, Nope, don't want to do that. Don't like that. Um, no. so that's good. That's good. Um, let's talk about a trade that happened. Um, which is funny because, you know, wasn't expecting this move until like the draft. Like we knew at one point, Adam Fox was not going to be a Carolina hurricane. He never was going to be a Carolina hurricane. Um, but his rights have been officially required by the New York Rangers in a trade with the Carolina Hurricanes for a 2019 second round pick and a 2020 conditional third round pick, um, which can become a second rounder if he plays 30 games next season for the Rangers. Um, Adam Fox agrees to an entry level deal. He is from Jericho, New York, which is only about an hour outside of New York City. So we kind of had a, an inkling that he was going to be a Ranger at some point or another. He made it very, very clear that that's where he wanted to be. Um, he's 21 years old. He's a I th- he's a right-handed D. Um, he is 5'11", 181, if you really want to know the stats. Um, he signed. It wasn't confirmed. This has not been confirmed by the New York Rangers, but it is listed on EliteProspects.com, so that's where I got this information from. Um, a three-year, 925000 bonus um, contract. He was drafted in the third round, 66th overall, by the Calgary Flames in 2016. Um, 
And with his time, he did spend time with the U.S. Uh, the U.S. team, na- na- U.S. national team development program. That's a mouthful. Um, he was he won a silver medal with U17 and 14-15. He won a bronze medal with U18 and 15-16. He won gold with the U20 team in 2016-17. And while an assistant captain in 2017-18, they won bronze, also part of the U20 team. Uh, and then he did play three seasons at Harvard from 2016 to 2019. Um, so. He is a pretty, pretty well decorated United States player already. Um, he's got some. I, I, like I was looking at this, and I was like, every year that he has played in a in a national tournament with the program, he's medaled, which is just. And I remember the seven, the sixteen seventeen one, uh, which was World Junior. Uh, I remember that year and watching him play, and he was just an absolute stud that year. They had, like, Kiefer Bellows on that team, um, a bunch of young players. I think Troy Terry was still on that team at that point. Uh, so. That was pretty fun. He's pretty fun to watch. So um, New York is, honestly, I've been saying this for a while, New York has been doing a hell of a job with their rebuild. Like, they're doing it the right way. Um, Yeah, I was going to say, they're, like, they're actually trying. Like, they're, I feel like there were flashes of, like, a really good team this season. I think most of the season, and Rangers fans can probably agree with me on this, that they were just kind of mediocre. But that's kind of what happens when you go through a rebuild. They're supposed to be. They're supposed to be. Yeah, but I I think they're, um, you know, they haven't traded away everything. I mean, they still have Lundqvist. They still have Kreider. They still have Zabinijad. Um, and some of the other core guys that I can't think of right now. Oh, Brady Shea and uh, Jimmy VC and those guys. But, mm-hmm. you know, they, they traded away Zuccarello and um, and Kevin Hayes. And a couple years ago, they traded away McDonough and Stepan. And I think a lot of people were like, well, that's, that's our core. Um, but I think they're – and I, I've said this about the Hurricanes too. I just think that that core just wasn't past that – 20 was it 2014 i think it was 2014 when they made the final yeah yeah it was was 2014 right because it was against the kings but i couldn't remember which year it was Mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean it after that year it just didn't it didn't seem to be clicking the same way so they kind of needed to clear house which sucks but sometimes that happens and like i said happened down here um you know with getting rid of like eric stahl noah hannafin elias lindholm Jeff Skinner, Cam Ward. Um, sometimes you just have to do that, and yeah. sometimes it works off right away, and sometimes it doesn't. So it'll be interesting because I do think the Rangers can be good in the next like two years. Right? No, they're a- well. They're quietly just doing their thing, and they're doing yeah. it the right way. Like you're trading some of those core guys, but the things that you're getting back in return are going to be more beneficial for you in the future than they are right now. And they are clearly not in a position to win right now. Um, and, and they know no, that it'll take a couple years and they know that. And that's the best part about it is that like, I was listening, I can't remember what I was listening to this on, but as long, as long as Sidney Crosby is in Pittsburgh and Alex Ovechkin is in Washington, those teams are never going to rebuild. As long as Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves are in Chicago and on the roster, it's always going to be a bit of a retool and Pittsburgh. Yep. I bring that up because there is a lot of talk right now about possibly trading Malkin and Kessel and Latang and Olimata is as good as gone. And you got Brian Rust out there too. And the, like, the thing is, is, is that's what kind of like, that's what kind of New York, New York is doing it more in a sense of like, we know we can't win now. So we're going to trade Zuccarello and hate, we're going to trade these guys right. so that we can get things back in return. Whereas in, in Pittsburgh, it's like, okay, well we can trade 
Phil Kessel, but what can you give us right now? Because while exactly. Crosby is still here, we're just retooling. While Kane and Taves are still here, we're just retooling. We're not going to do a full-on rebuild. While Ovechkin and Backstrom are still here, we're doing a full-on, like we're not doing a full-on rebuild. Um, so as long as those like big name guys are there, they're they're not rebuilding. But we're in New York, they've kind of accepted like, okay, we we kind of need to do this now. We got to part with these guys that you know, have been big names for us and have been huge parts of our roster since they came into the NHL. So it kind of sucks. But if you look at it long term, if you're a New York Rangers fan, I feel like I'd be sitting in a pretty good spot right now. I was going to say, you've got to be pretty pretty good. You've got to be feeling pretty good about this because like, yeah, it sucks for right now because your team's, you know, but they got, they got the second pick and I th- I genuinely think like in like the next two or three years they'll be a good team again. Oh yeah. Um, I think it'll take a little bit of time. Just you know, although you know sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you get a team together and they click right away and right or they click like just at the right time. So I guess we'll just wait and see. But right. I think I think um, I think they're definitely heading in the right direction. And as just a hockey fan in general, I mean I like the Rangers fine, but as a hockey fan in general. I'm very impressed with how open they've been about the fact that they're rebuilding because a lot of GMs are like, no, we're not rebuilding. We're just transparency is key stuff. Yeah, it's key when you're trying to get your fans on board. Like you need to be straight up with your fans, especially like in a market like New York, (laughs) which if you know people from New York, they, they take no ish and, and they like to be told straight up what is and isn't. And, I think they've they've handled that in a really and especially with New York being an original six franchise and they have a history of winning Stanley Cups and they have a history of, you know, they had Wayne Gretzky at one point, Mark Messier, Brian Leach. You have now you have Henrik Lundqvist and they had Jeff Bukaboom, Jeff Bukaboom, legend, Um, you know. You have to be open and honest with your fans because as we we experienced um, kind of with the Blackhawks this past year, like we were under the impression that it's, that it's a retool, but just kind of like like vague sentences, I feel like, some, like vague statements sometimes aren't like reassuring to a fan. Like we no, obviously- They're not like, reassuring we, in the slightest. Like we watch enough of it and like understand enough of the game to kind of know what they were saying. Like we were like, okay, it's not, we're not going to be good for like- we're not going to be the best for the next couple seasons, but it's going to get there. We're, we're acquiring young talent. We got Strom, and then um, we got Perlini, and we got a couple other young guys that are coming like up in the yeah, like coming up in the system. And like it looks, it looks pretty good right now. But for them to just be straight up and be like, yeah, we're going through a rebuild right now. I respect that. So um, if you're a New York fan, get excited about your future. Um, just two more things, and then I'll let you talk about the Canucks, too, as we wrap up. But um, Max Comtois, Maxime Comtois, the main event. That guy that, like, the, the video, he's like, this is the main event at the World Juniors. He did that every every game. Love Maxime Comtois. Um, drafted 50th overall in the second round by the Ducks in the 2017 entry draft. Uh, scored the game-winning goal in the fourth overtime period in Game 1 of the AHL Pacific Division Final, which came in as the fifth longest game in AHL history, uh, which was against the Bakersfield Condors, which is the Edmonton Oilers AHL affiliate. 
but it was a pretty sick goal. I just wanted to mention that because I thought it was pretty cool that it was the fifth longest game in AHL history. Um, the other, I think the, the longest standing game was a, it went to five overtime sessions. Uh, so that, that, that's pretty fun. So I just wanted to mention that. Love Maxime Comtois. He's a super fun player playing for the San Diego Goals right now. Um, the Anaheim Ducks AHL affiliate. Um, and then one other thing, and I'll let you, I'll let you jump on the Louis Erickson situation, but Trevor Van Riemsdyk will be out four to six months after having surgery on his left shoulder, which I read that and I was like, it just, I, I got hit with like PTSD because literally <laughs> like I had surgery on my left shoulder and, and the recovery time has been four to six months, which I'm trying to think about like, okay, that's kind of the recovery time. Like I had, a, well, mine was called bicep tendinesis, um, which is in result of really bad biceps tendonitis, but then also that recovery timeline fits a labrum tear surgery. And it also fits, um, like kind of, kind of fits the timeline for a rotator cuff surgery. So it could be any one of those things. Yeah, um, it was, it's I'm trying weird to, like, because what it is. when you, I don't know if you've seen, you probably have, but like the, if you watch the clip of what happens, Cal Clutterbuck for the Islanders, um, it kind of came at him weird. And Trevor, I almost just called him Travis. Travis, um, I call him that all the time. Um, Trevor was trying to like kind of brace himself, but I think he was either just too late or just didn't do it right. And his shoulder just slammed into the boards and he was just, I mean, he was holding it. So I, he sat on the bench for like a couple of minutes before he went off the bench with the medical trainers. So I'm not sure exactly what happened. My first thought was like, Oh, maybe he like broke his collarbone or something, but I don't think that's what that was. I think, Mm -mm. I think because of the way he hit it, I think he tore something. Yeah. Which is why it would require surgery. Like you said, rotator Um, cuff is the toughest, like, like out of orthopedic surgery, shoulder surgeries and hip surgeries are the two hardest to come back from. Let me tell you they're, like it's it's difficult because you go from like you know in Trevor's situation playing in the Stanley Cup playoffs to suddenly not being able to hold your own arm up with your own weight like for the first week I literally had to hold my arm with my right arm and like I couldn't cut my own food I couldn't do my own hair I couldn't take a shower by myself like you you suddenly realize how much you use your left arm for. Yeah. So that just like just sitting in his situation and and it's tough to come back from because not only do you have to not only do you have to get your range of motion back, but you have to get your strength back and that's the stage I'm in right now and it's it's so tough because you're sore all the time because your arm's like, Hey man, we haven't been doing anything for a couple months. <laughs> like can we can we tone You've been it down? Here. You've been sitting yeah. here doing nothing with me. Yeah. So Shouts to shouts to TVR. We love you, man. Hopefully the, I think so. I saw a tweet on there and it was like, it was, it was the Carolina tweet that was like Trevor Van Riemsdyk will be out for four to six months. And yeah. then someone quote tweeted it and was like, yeah, but getting his name on the Stanley cup will probably help ease that pain a little bit. And I'm like, yeah. hey, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I hate that people <laughs> keep saying it cause I really want it to happen, but I also don't want to jinx it at yep. all. Yep. So Mike, stop talking about it. Stop talking about it. Stop talking about it. <laughs> All right. Do you want to touch on the uh, Louis Erickson situation? We can wrap up the news and yeah, notes. It was really random. This literally came out of left field, but I saw it and I thought it was kind of funny and kind of like, I don't know, biggish hockey news because it doesn't, players don't typically say this kind of stuff about their coaches. Um, the, the, let me back up. So it's about, um, 
Vancouver Canucks forward Louis Erickson. He's how do I describe him? As you know what, actually, as Jason Botchford coined his nickname, um, he is Little Things, which kind of was a double entendre, meaning that he does a lot of the little things well, but he also doesn't really do anything. Um, he was kind of a weird sign by the Canucks, I think, two years ago. Um, but this season, he really underperformed for his salary range. Um, he signed through 2022 at $6 million, um, a year, and he has a no-move contract until 2020. And for you to be playing like that, you kind of – I mean, that's that's like less than a million away from, like, William Nylander. And I know he didn't, like, super play well this year, but, like, I feel like that was for other reasons. But, like, you look at that, like, that's, like, what a lot of – like, David Pasternak is kind of in that ballpark. And you look at David Pasternak and you're like, wow, he puts up a lot of numbers. He puts out a lot of goals. Louis Erickson does not do that. Um, he only had 11 goals and 18 assists for 29 points through 81 games this season. And he actually was a healthy scratch. Um, one of the, one of the games this season. And the last thing you want to do is put your healthy, your like your $6 million player in the box for no reason. Aside yeah. from the fact that he sucks. Um, but anyway, so in, He's from Sweden, and he's back in Sweden for the offseason, and he told a reporter in this – it's a long article, but the quote that stood out to me and I think everybody else was, he literally said, Travis Green, who's the head coach of the Canucks, and I don't get on 100%. Now, I feel like most coaches don't get along with their players all the time. It's it's like being a you know like you don't always get along with your boss. You don't always get along with your coworkers. It's just how being a human is. But yeah. to come out and say that, and to say that he also kind of in the article says that he didn't feel like they were on the same page about his work ethic and about kind of the way he was playing. And I'm like, dude, you only scored 11 goals. Right. For $6 million, you need to be scoring like 30 or 40 goals. You didn't cut it, dude. That yeah. that ain't it. Yeah. So I, I just thought it was kind of funny and thought I'd throw it in here because, like I said, players don't usually say that kind of stuff. Hockey players are not like football players and basketball players and soccer players who are very... Oh, they'll rip on anyone expressive. and everyone. Yeah. Like, have you like ever seen, like, have you ever seen a, whatchacallit, um... What's his face? Russell Westbrook. Have you ever seen that guy give a press conference? That dude oh, yeah. will straight up have no mercy. Like, yeah. imagine. That's not how the NHL is. Look, imagine like, Connor McDavid but... ripping on someone. That's yeah. what it's like. Like, honestly, like coaches in some of their post-game prefer- uh, pressers <coughs> will sometimes say questionable things or call guys out. But usually it's well warranted. Yeah. Um, but I just feel like in Louis Erickson's situation, this is not on Travis Green <laughs> at all. I'm not going to sit here and say that Travis Green is like the perfect coach because he's not. But And has he made questionable choices this season? Of course. But I just feel like you – and it's just, I think the weird thing to me too is that he hadn't ever said anything like this in Vancouver. So it's like the second he gets – 
over to Sweden, he's like, wow, this team sucks because he's not there anymore. I don't yes. know. The whole thing just seemed weird. And like, I personally wouldn't do something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like most people probably wouldn't, but I just thought it was kind of interesting because like I said, it's, it's not like, the, it's not like the NFL or the NBA where players are very open about how they feel about everybody. Um, aside, unless you're John Tortorella, um, who apparently does whatever he wants now, literally does whatever he wants. Um, you know, fair. Um, I, I just don't, I, I was just surprised, especially because he waited to get back to Sweden to say it to a Swedish. Well, because reporter. he doesn't have to like, deal what? with anybody in the Vancouver media then. I like mean, he I doesn't guess. have people you think like, they weren't going to translate it to English. Well, yeah, no, but like he won't be like readily available to talk to someone from the Vancouver media unless he like agrees to have a phone call or a Skype call. It's cowardly. Like you had to go across an ocean to, to rip on your boss, I guess. Like, okay. You do you, Louie. Go. mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But one other thing before we wrap up the NHL segment, I forgot to put this on here, Um, but it was announced on, I think it was uh, Thursday. The Chicago Blackhawks today have announced that they have agreed to terms on a three-year affiliation extension with the Indy Fuel of the ECHL, uh, former home of Paul Bizonette, the leading professional development league for the American Hockey League and the NHL. So that runs through the 2021-22 campaign. Um, so I just wanted to mention that Indy feels pretty great. They're in Indianapolis, Indiana. If you have anybody that lives over there, you know, whatever. Um, so I just wanted to mention that too, that they have extended their agreement with them, which is pretty fun. Okay. Whew. That was, uh, heavy. Okay. Let's talk about the playoffs. Let's talk about the playoffs. Um, let's start with, we'll, we'll do Carolina last because you know, reasons um yeah there's a good reason for that one uh okay boston columbus uh they played last night this season we'll just do this one in the eastern conference we'll do the two in the western conference and then we'll wrap up with carolina so columbus boston has been the most fun series for me to watch at least like out of all of them right now besides like colorado and san jose is pretty fun um but columbus boston is just It's just a gift. It's chaos. It's a true gift. And, like, let's talk about really quick Brad Marchand. Um, I don't know if any of you listen to the Steve Dangle podcast. We all know I'm an avid listener. I, like, literally as soon as the new episode drops, I drop everything and I listen to the full (laughs) two-hour episode then and there. Like, I, I, it's it's what I look forward to twice a week, every week. (laughs) Steve Dangle, if you know Steve Dangle, he's pretty passionate. He, he, he really gets into it and I love that about him. And that's what I try to try to model my, my fandom and my career after. I want to be as passionate as he is. <laughs> this new episode, there is a full, I, I, I honestly think it's like 20 to 25 minutes of Steve straight, just screaming about this situation, like absolutely losing his mind. Adam and Jesse are dying. Don't know what to do. They just keep laughing because he is just, it's the kind of mad Steve got in the nine to two Nashville video when his voice just goes up like three octaves and he just starts screaming and the veins start popping out in his neck and he just gets all red in the face. That's what, that's what was happening. So if, if any of you don't know what we're referring to, uh, Brad Marchand noted rat, um, <laughs> it was in the, it was in, uh, I, I forget what end it was in, but 
It, the play was called dead. The goalie had the puck. There was a little, like, everyone was gathered around the front of the net, whatever. I think it was on the Columbus side of the ice. Scott Harrington is sitting like he's on his knees next to the side of the goal, like about to stand up and, and do his line change, whatever. Brad Marchand comes around the entire group of players, comes behind Scott Harrington, punches him in the back of the head, and then skates away! Really quickly. He skated away! Like, and then the NHL the next day was like, it's not a suspendable offense. Well, make it a suspendable offense! The dude is on, he's unsuspecting. He's not doing anything. He's not talking to anyone. He's not touch. Brad Marchand punched a guy in the back of the head and got no repercussions about it. And then John Shannon tweeted and was like, rest assured, this will be, this will be handled internally within the Boston Bruins organization. And if you saw Bruce Cassidy's press conference after that, he's like, well, we, we put the responsibility on Brad to make sure that, that he's a good guy and he's making good choices out there. Do you know who Brad Marchand is? Brad Do Marchand. you know the kind of player? He's not going to learn. He's not going to stop. Like, are you kidding? He was like, rest assured. Adam's like, I am neither resting nor assured. Like, no, he's <laughs> he's the guy that licked people in the NA, like in the playoffs last year. Licked them in the face. Licked people, even though the NHL and his team supposedly told him to stop. Oh, yes. Which, I mean, I thought it was funny. Because it wasn't hurting anybody. It was just making a lot of people mad. But at the same time, like, if people are telling you to stop, you need to stop. And I just feel like I also don't understand how that how the sucker punch to the back of the head when a guy is defenseless, like, below you is not a suspendable offense or even, like, a penalty. But whatever. I there's, there's nothing that says it's a suspension. Well, how about... You, with the pen and the ability to edit the rule book, make it a suspension. They also play by their own rules in the playoffs anyways. Just suspend him. Like, nobody's going to question it. Oh, it's just, oh, it just pisses me off. Brad Marchand is one of those players who, like, I know he can play really well. He hit the 100-point threshold this season. Like, he is a good hockey player. I don't know why he does this. It's like, He has no reason to. It's honestly, like, when... And this is like a dumb analogy, but it's uh, my dog is the best. I love my dog to pieces, but she's also an idiot. And last weekend, she like I I guess I didn't do her leash up right. And she got off the leash and just kept running. No matter how many times I called after her, she just kept running. She thought it was a game. And I'm like, dude, I know you're better than this. And that's how I feel about Brad Marchand. Like, literally, you are better than this. Why do you do this? Like, yes, he's a grown man, okay? You you think that a grown man would be able to just tell himself. I don't understand. Just, like, I just need don't do this. Just, like, slap him and be like, dude, come on. Like, it's, and, and Steve said this, too. People are like, and, and this is what Brad Marchand said when he was asked about it. Oh, it's playoff hockey. Oh no! no. Dude. Oh no! Playoff hockey. Your masculinity is going to be inferior. Stop! Stop punching people in the back of the head. Stop making stupid decisions. I just and I'm also really sick of people like because people did the same thing throughout the whole Capitals and Hurricanes series of like, oh, it's playoff hockey. It's fine. I'm like, no, dude, you need to be suspended for certain suspendable things, or you need to be put in the penalty box for certain things that require a penalty. I don't care if it's playoff hockey. 
the rules shouldn't change, frankly. I mean, I just, I, I like, I literally don't understand that argument. Like, I get very upset about that argument because I think it's stupid. You know what it sounds like? It sounds like the stupid boys will be boys. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that because that's not an excuse for you to be a terrible person. End rant. You just took my power play for today, so I'm going to have to think of another. Oh, no! <laughs> that was my Sorry. power play. No, that's okay. I just won't have one today. Um, let's talk about Colorado San Jose. Um, that series is also um, going into game six um, with a chance to for San Jose to move on. Um, San Jose is up 32 in this series, as we've seen um as we saw last night in their win, um, that series has been really fun just because of the whole, like, Kale McCarr thing and, and, and pure honesty and Nathan McKinnon putting the team Nathan on McKinnon. his back and being like, all right, this is my team now. I'm just, I can't win the playoffs by myself, but hey, I'm going to sure as hell try. Um, that Perhaps series is super trying. fun. And uh, Joe Pavelski, if any of you watched Game 5 last night, he came out during the third period and it was uh, pretty insane. He came out and started waving the towel and doing the thing, and then the Shark Tank went just absolutely bonkers. It's kind of like um, TJ Oshie did the same thing after he was – I want to say it was Game 7 that he did it. I think it was. Where he, like, came out and the crowd got insanely loud for one guy. I love it. It's like that – you know that one video where it's like – I think it was in Detroit, but they like showed like a little kid on the jumbotron and everybody was screaming really, really oh, loud. Yeah. And anytime they showed anybody else, it was like quiet. So that's what it reminded me of. It's just like, it's like no, bring, no, 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 like, go back. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. So I, I was happy to see him out there because the Sharks have been really crappy with giving any kind of update on him. Like, I, I'm like, I don't need you to tell me like exact details. Just tell me he's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, he should be back pretty soon. He said, uh, Pete DeBoer said in his post game yesterday that he, he's getting pretty close. He's almost there. So I think he's traveling with the team to back to Denver as well. So that's a good sign. Yes, he will be back. Um, he will be with the team in Denver. So that'll be pretty fun to watch. Um, all right, let's talk about St. Louis Dallas because currently right now it's tied one to one in game six. Um, Dallas could take a, has a chance to take the series at home. Um, there is about eight and a half minutes left in the second period right now. Uh, but that one's also been kind of fun. Um, I, I think Dallas has a little more push right now for some reason. Yeah. Like I just, I don't know. I'm just kind of feeling Dallas is going to do something here. Um, but it's been pretty fun to watch too, just because St. Louis kind of has been that, like in the Western conference, at least they've, they've been, been that Cinderella me. story. Like, yeah. Hey, we were dead last in the NHL in like January, and here we are <laughs> doing we're it. In the second round of the playoffs. Doing it. Yeah. So uh, everything is totally normal. Um, yeah, I've, I'm wearing my Dallas shirt right now. I'm actually not wearing my Tyler Sagan one. I'm actually wearing my Antoine Roussel one because I don't know where my Tyler Sagan one went. Um, I think it's in my laundry or something. But um, yeah, no, that series has been super fun to watch. And um, I mean, it's it's kind of weird though because those games I feel like are either like there's a lot happening or there's nothing happening, and they're low scoring for them this round. It's been very low scoring. It whereas, has like they like whereas um, Dallas kind of took apart um, Nashville at some points in the first round. Yeah, so, I thought so too. 
Yeah, so um, they are locked up one to one here. So we'll see what happens there. But um, let's let's round this off with uh, the Carolina Hurricanes sweeping the New York Islanders in four games to advance to the Eastern Conference Final. Um, obviously, they are the only team right now in the second round that has advanced. So um, Dallas could advance tonight. Uh, we'll see what happens, or that might get pushed to a Game 7 as St. Louis is really feeling it. Um, but Andre Svechnikov and Jordan Martinuk returned from their injuries on Monday, or Wednesday, sorry, Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. Um, yeah. So that's been a huge boost for them. I know for me, like seeing all of the the content that Jordan Martinuk has been putting out on his social medias about so like fun. how close the team is and like last night's or the other night's celebration um, that they had like as a team, which was And Tavo Teravainen is just chugging a beer in the background. Can we talk about that for it's a like, second? They grow up so fast, you know? Literally, it's just, there's something about this team that I, oh man, like, and I've, I think I've said this before, like I followed the Hurricanes since I've started following hockey because they've always been right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to a couple of games like while I was in college, like I'd take a trip out to Raleigh, but I rarely ever rooted for the Hurricanes. I usually would go to root for like my friend was a Rangers fan. So we'd go see the Rangers and root for the Rangers or we would go see the Stars and root for the Stars, go see the Blackhawks and root for the Blackhawks. It's just kind of how it was. And now I feel like the past season and a half, you know, I've started making an effort to really follow the Hurricanes. I'm glad I did. I mean, they're they're my hometown. I need to, you know, need to support the boys. And, you know, it was a little painful going to the games in, like, November and December because they just didn't have it together yet. But <laughs> they, they, got, they got it together at the right time. And, man, have they been fun to watch. And I, like, I really hope that – and I wrote a blog on it yesterday, but – I hope everybody who said that they weren't going to do anything in these playoffs or I love Pierre Lebrun so much and I love his writing, but he said like just before the first round started that the, the hurricanes should just be happy to be in the playoffs. I'm like, no, 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 that is not the Rod Brindamore way. It's all or nothing. So that's not the not, Rod Brindamore way. <laughs> it's not like it's, he's really changed this team over the course of a season and it's been so much fun to watch. And now for the fourth time in the past four times that they've been to the playoffs, they've made it to the Eastern Conference final, which I saw that not is... like tooting their horn or anything, but that's like low key impressive. Um, so that'll be interesting. They're either going to face Columbus or Boston. And to be honest with you, don't really know which one I want them to face. Um, I think both of them are going to be tough. Definitely not easy. Oh yeah. So I guess um, I guess we'll see. But I I did not expect them to sweep the Islanders because the Islanders looked really good in round one. I mean, obviously like the Penguins aren't the team that they were a couple years ago, but it's not like they don't have Sidney Crosby and they don't have like semi-solid goaltending and they don't have like Malkin and Latang and Kessel and other guys who can you know do the thing. Um, I was going to say contribute, but I'm like, I couldn't think of the word, Um, but I just thought the Islanders were going to put up more of a fight. Well, and the (laughs) Islanders, I saw this yesterday, the Islanders are the first team since 1993 to get swept after sweeping their previous round. So (laughs) last team to do it was um, the Sabres. Yeah. Um, Who now hold the longest drought, longest playoff drought. I think it's like eight years. Um, but yeah, I was, 
pleasantly surprised. I was trying so hard on Friday not to get my hopes up because I didn't want to like sit here and expect that they were going to win and sweep because that's, I don't know. It just felt weird to expect that, especially because Robin Leonard had been playing so well. He did not deserve this at all. Yeah. And, and he's going to be a UFA. Yeah. He's going to be UFA. So we'll see if he decides to resign with the Islanders or, or go somewhere else. So that'll be interesting. But um, yeah, it was, yeah. It, I don't know, but they've got, I think, I know a lot of people are like, Ooh, the hurricanes are going to get like 10 days off. It won't be like 10 days. It'll probably be more like a week, but getting a couple of days off, like hopefully they don't slow down like the Islanders and the blue jackets kind of did. I'm like, you know, I think they actually need the rest. Yeah. I was going to say, and like with all the injuries that they have, it's an opportunity for them to Um, heal more. I think it'll be really good. And I don't know. We'll see. I think, I think either Boston or Columbus are going to provide a huge challenge. So it'll be fun. Um, wild card yeah, chaos. Let's, let's get Columbus in. Yeah, really. I, I want all the wild cards to do everything. I want them to just keep going because it's so much more fun that way. Also update before we finish, uh, Dave Perron just scored. So it is two yeah, one blues right now. So I, I, I'm sure you saw the face I was making while I was trying to talk. I was like, no, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I also, I said this last week, but I made a promise to the hockey gods, so I have to be nice about the blues. How's that so going? I can't really, like, you know, it's actually not going bad. I'm mostly just, you know, avoiding talking about them. Love That's that. like, I mean, if I can't, if I don't talk about them, then I can't say anything bad. So Very true. <sighs> but it was a nice goal line for own, I guess. All right, let's move on to power play. So... You kind of took my power play, so I'm just no, not going to have no, one today. No, I hear, no, I want to hear oh, your no. side of it because I feel like... It's the same thing like, you said. It's literally like word for word what you said. Well, then I don't need a power play. Then. No, yours is important. Like- yours is important, and I already have the clock up, so there's, you're not saying no. This is really unrelated, but I just watched the Dave Perona, uh, Dave Perone goal again. He has the biggest lips I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Continue. No, I, I already have the clock up, so you can't... Um, you can't say no. So whenever you're ready, please let me know. I'm ready. Go. Okay. So Cinderella stories are not anything new to sports. They're not anything new to hockey. They happen all the time. Um, it typically, if you're not, if you aren't sure what that is, um, you know, the story of Cinderella where it's somebody who's kind of unsuspecting, kind of outside of the loop, gets a chance to do something amazing and it works. And, um, I think a lot of this season and a lot of this playoff season has been kind of centered around playoff, um, Cinderella stories, especially with all of the wild cards advancing and all four of the division leaders falling. Um, you know, everything's kind of falling into place for these teams that don't usually get a lot of spotlight or don't usually get in the playoffs or don't get far in the playoffs. And I would just like to say that I'm very sick of people saying that they're not important. Because Cinderella stories are the reason people keep coming back to watch sports and keep coming back to watch hockey because they're the stories that you don't expect and that make this game so much fun to watch because I don't know about you. I don't want to see the same four teams in the, the conference finals every year. I don't want to see the same team winning the Stanley Cup every year. That's why I don't watch football or I don't watch basketball because it's either the Patriots for football or it's the Golden State Warriors for basketball. And 
that's great that they've put together fantastic teams. Like that's huge. That's awesome. But at the same time, it gets rid of these Cinderella stories completely. They're non-existent in those sports. And these are the ones that like, like miracle is the perfect example of a Cinderella story where it's like, they, they make you believe in something that you weren't sure was going to happen. They make you believe in miracles and I just feel like that's really important for especially hockey where literally anything can happen in the playoffs. And I don't want to hear people say that Carolina doesn't deserve it or Dallas doesn't deserve it or rolling my eyes, St. Louis doesn't deserve it or the avalanche don't because, or Columbus, because all those teams are underdogs and they all deserve it. And rant. You only went 22 seconds over this time. <laughs> Woohoo! It's a record. It's a record, truly. It's a record. <laughs> All right, that was really good. I like that one too, um, because as as I was listening to you, I was like, yeah, literally the NBA is the same team every it's year. Same thing, and same with football. Like, I just, it's not fun to watch. As Steve and... Dangle says, he watches one Patriots game every year, and that's the Super Bowl. Yes, I do too, <laughs> and I only watch it for the commercials. Yep, sure. So, like, and for halftime, depending on who's doing the concert, performing. Yeah. yeah. Makes but sense. It's, I just feel like I've seen so many people recently being like, wow, NBC or the NHL must hate that the Hurricanes or the Stars or the Blues or the Avalanche or the Blue Jackets are in this because they're all small markets. I, I just that argument is stupid, for lack of a better phrase or a better explanation. That argument is just dumb. Your ratings are not going to go down because you're because it's a team that's less covered hey if, if you look a- at like nbc sports pr on twitter they always put out the the next day they'll put out the ratings that had happened for the stanley cup playoffs the night before and usually like and i think for the past couple games has been every carolina game every like every dallas game and every columbus game like all of the the teams that have a wild card in it or like a quote-unquote small market team in it get the highest ratings every night for people tuning in to watch and that could be also due in part that columbus is playing boston which is an original six and it's a big a big sports town and they do gain and and draw a lot of revenue but um for like carolina like a a ton of people are tuning in which is great so i was gonna say and, and to my knowledge i don't know if this has changed but i believe at the time, like right after the first round, um, the Hurricanes, that Hurricanes and Washington game seven was the highest watched like playoff game this season. I'm I'm pretty sure, and I still think it is. I don't think there are any of them that have topped it. I might need to go look and check, but um, it was like some absurd number of people that watched it. And mm-hmm. I'm telling you, Cinderella stories mean something to people because it's. It's one of those things where, like, it gives you a chance to just believe in something that you wouldn't normally think would happen. Mm-hmm. And it's thrilling. It gives hockey, you a lot of adrenaline. It does. And especially in hockey, where literally anything can happen in the playoffs, as we've seen, um, this kind of stuff just means a lot. So um, people who say otherwise are Don Cherry. I like I like that point, too. Um, okay. Okay. 
Let's wrap it up for this week. We talked about a lot. Um, hopefully next hopefully next time we come around, we're going to be able to set the stage for you guys for the Western Conference uh, Finals and the Eastern Conference Finals um, and see who's, who's going to be playing both of them. Um, these games have been super exciting to watch. So if you haven't watched them, tune in now because you're, you're going to be getting some, some of the good stuff as we move on to closer and closer to getting to the Stanley Cup here. Um, so thanks again for listening this week. We love that you guys come back and tune in every single week. Um, don't forget to subscribe to us down below. You can rate us down below as well on iTunes. Uh, you can listen on Spotify. Make sure you share it with all your family and friends. We do have our Instagram and our Twitter. It will be linked below, um, as well as our personal Twitters, our personal blogs, all that fun stuff. Uh, so as it gets closer to summer here, and and Megan, Megan obviously is in a in a real a real world job while I'm still in you know school. Um, <laughs> but I'm done with finals on May 22nd, so I only have two more weeks of actual school, and then I have three finals I need to take. So four finals, I think I have to take. So, um, once it hits summer, it'll be, the podcast will be better than ever and we'll have time and I'll finally have some energy to like prolong, like hopefully do a little bit longer episode. I mean, our episodes are pretty long right now, but, um, off season content is going to be fresh. So, uh, We're keep following us along. Keep following us along. Um, we got a lot in store and we love doing this. So thank you guys for listening again and we will see you next week. Bye, guys.